Mesdames et messieurs, bienvenue à la deuxième épisode du Red Light Hockey Podcast en français avec vos hôtes Liam et Josh. Josh, comment ça va aujourd'hui? Ça va bien, toi? Ça va très bien, merci beaucoup. Euh, aujourd'hui, on va parler d'un couple de segments. Euh, la première segment, on va parler un peu du championnat junior mondial. Euh, il y a des tristes nouvelles qui viennent de sortir que Lafrenière ne jouera pas pour le Canada cette année. Euh, le DG des Rangers, Jeff Gordon, il a décidé que Lafrenière, il ne veut pas qu'il joue là, il veut qu'il, qu'il se prépare avec l'équipe. Euh, I guess, si à la fin du jour, ça fait du sens. Là. Um, tu t'en dis, toi, Josh, de, de faire que Lafrenière ne pourrait pas jouer? Euh, ben, je pense que du côté des Rangers, ils veulent, ils veulent que les joueurs soient concentrés à 100% sur la prochaine saison qui s'en vient. Mais euh, du côté du Canada, c'est sûr que ça va les faire mal, les faire mal de manquer la Lafrenière. Euh, c'était le meilleur joueur junior l'année passée. Puis aussi, euh, c'était un des meilleurs joueurs qu'il y avait au championnat l'année passée avec Team Canada. Um, mais je pense que le Canada, ils sont bien placés aussi pour jouer sans la Lafrenière. Oui, euh, je suis complètement d'accord avec toi. Aussi, avant l'année passée, quand il s'est blessé, euh, il y a beaucoup de joueurs qui sont encore là cette année qui ont monté leur jeu juste assez pour prendre sa place. Euh, le Canada, c'est une équipe extrêmement profonde. So, je ne suis pas vraiment inquiet pour ça, pour le Canada. Um, aussi, le Canada Devils, ils ont dit euh, que Jack Hughes ne jouerait pas pour l'équipe des Américains. Um, tu en penses de ça, Josh, que Jack Hughes ne jouerait pas pour Team USA? Encore là, je pense que c'est la même affaire que j'ai dit pour la première. Um, du côté des, des Devils, ils veulent un joueur concentré à 100% sur la prochaine saison, spécialement après la saison décevante qui vient d'avoir Hughes. Um, mais encore là, du côté des, des Américains, ça va les faire mal. Encore, c'est bien plus aux autres que les Canadiens de manquer un joueur de la 30 à Hughes. Oui, je suis en accord avec ça. Euh, il va falloir que certains joueurs comme Zegras et euh, Turcotte, ils montent leur jeu pour euh, prendre la place de Hughes au centre. On verra bien que c'est gagné avec ça. Um, oh, maintenant, aussi, euh, un autre chose que je vais parler, c'est, j'ai vu des rumeurs euh, qui se coupent tout de suite Internet et tout ça, qu'il y a certaines équipes qui regardent à bien faire la saison à complet dehors euh, pour que des partisans peuvent, peuvent venir watcher des games et tout ça. J'ai vu comme euh, Boston, il parlait de ça, faire des games euh, à l'Arena New England. Euh, j'ai vu Anaheim, c'est un autre nom qui, qui t'a dit là-dedans. Euh, aussi, des noms comme les, les Canadiens parlaient un peu de ça. So, je t'en pense de ça, Josh. Euh, oui. Des de, de, de matchs dehors pour une saison ouais, complète. Ça va. Euh, c'est un bon spectacle pour les amateurs. Oui, oui, non, euh, tu as raison là. Un beau, un beau spectacle. Euh, la seule chose que je ne comprends pas vraiment, c'est Anaheim. Ça, <rire> ça, ça va être différent un peu là, pour les games dehors à Anaheim. Euh, on, je sais qu'on parlait un peu de ça avant qu'on a, qu'on a commencé. Um, Ouais. OK. Uh, mais à ce point-ci, uh, m'envoyer ça. On a fait une entrevue en anglais. Uh, moi aussi, le mettre en cet épisode-ci avec uh, James Sabalski uh, de Sportsnet. 
On a parlé un peu de Zacharia et tout ça. Um, so, maintenant, à ce point-ci, m'a commencé de l'entrevue avec M. Sadowski. Euh, encore, je m'excuse juste en anglais. Ben, il y a beaucoup de belles et bonnes histoires. Donc, merci beaucoup pour ça. Ladies and gentlemen, I am very, very excited for this. I'm almost fanboying out. Uh, we have James Sabalski here with us for the Red Light Hockey Podcast. I'm extremely excited. And like he said on NHL 20, I'm being a little bit of a fanboy here when Snoop Dogg showed up. <laughs> not, not to steal from your quotes. Uh, it's okay. Checks in the mail, right? <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> Thank you again for uh, coming on. Um, for James or Mr. Sabalski? Oh, no, no, James. Mr. Sabalski <laughs> would be like, uh, I would say probably my grandfather. And he's, <laughs> he's been gone for almost 30 years. I don't even think my dad was, uh, I guess Mr. Sabalski was, uh, my dad was probably that for a while. Um, but even then, like, he, you know, he was kind of known. My dad was an undercover cop for, uh, for years uh, with the Ottawa police. And so he kind of looked, He looked somewhere between like Jake the Snake Roberts uh, at one point, and then kind of then it kind of had more of the shaved head and the and the goatee and the kind of the later years before he retired. So he kind of <laughs> went we went from like Jake the Snake to Stone Cold. So he was just known as <laughs> he was just kind of kind of scared every like scared all my buddies. Just knew that you know we are not screwing with Sabalski's dad, and so. <laughs> They just called him. He was either known as Sarge or Jake or Sir. <laughs> Sir, I love the wrestling references. Love yeah. that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's an old, it's an old bad habit, I guess. Uh, a good <laughs> habit to some, a bad habit to others. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's uh, clearly influenced by watching way too many episodes of Monday Night Raw over the years. That's all right, though. You got, you got to do what you got to do to make the exactly. time go by. Man's got to eat, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, just to get into your your career a bit. So you started off as a broadcaster for Yagonkin College and then Shea 106. What kind of got you into broadcasting? Because I know it's not exactly like the one thing everybody at a young age runs to, like, yeah, I want to be a broadcaster. Or I'm not really, I'm not sure. So I don't know what kind of made you say, yeah, I want to be a, I want to be a broadcaster. And then eventually ended up in the hockey world. So, yeah. Well, you know, at the time they just hadn't really quite figured out the podcast game yet. So I figured I got to do something for the next 25 years until we get to that. But, uh, I, you know, for me, I, I don't know. I, I just, maybe it was the middle child syndrome. Um, I was always a fan of sports and maybe not the best athlete, but loved to talk about it. <laughs> and, just felt like, uh, at a young age, I knew this was what I wanted to do and just kind of put the focus on that along the way. And anytime I had a chance to, I don't want to say perform, but just anytime I had a chance to do something, whether it was get in front of a live audience. Uh, I love playing sports with my buddies, uh, played minor hockey for about 10 years and uh, certainly love playing a lot of pickup basketball or, or shinny on the outdoor rinks or just whatever with my buds uh, at the same time. Um, you know, I did a lot of, uh, you know, theater sports, uh, you know, did the school plays as well and, and always kind of, kind of had that energy to, uh, uh, to, to speak would, was incredibly shy and I was younger and always had the butterflies, but just enjoyed it. And, um, always was kind of, you know, maybe drove my parents, friends nuts by asking a bazillion questions and. I remember getting when I my, in my year in novice hockey, getting a most sportsmanlike player award on the team, and 
you know, I just remember as I was getting up uh, to accept my uh, accept my award at the team banquet as we were scarfing down copious amounts of pizza. So remember the coach was kind of joking, uh, never ran out of questions, right? So you know, <laughs> somewhere along the way, I I channeled that into a paid gig at at Sportsnet, TSN, the Score, and um, a few other places along the way, and and now obviously with Electronic Arts and part of the uh, the NHL family as well for the video game. <laughs> Um, and then I'm just going to kind of jump to right now and then maybe back, back to the past. Okay. With EA Sports, um, your co-host on that show was Ray Ferraro. Where does the Ooh. term... Uh, Ray Ferraro? Ray Ferraro? Yeah. <laughs> no. No? Is that no. him? No? Yeah. I'm kidding. No. <laughs> Never heard of him. <laughs> heard of him. Yeah, old what's, old um, what's his name. Yeah. Now, whenever you... Or you guys are doing your thing. There's a term that he always says in the game that I'm not quite sure what it means. I don't know if you could try to explain it. Um, when he says it was waffle boarded into the corners, did you kind of uh, explain that? Blocker, a blocker. Okay. Yeah. I, I believe that was more. Uh, that was uh, paying homage to Doc, Doc Emmerich. Oh, okay. Doc Emmerich's line that uh you talked about the blocker kind of you know sh- looks a little bit like a waffle and so uh, that's where yeah. that's where the waffle board comes from okay yeah i, I just always wondered because like I, I hear it i'm like i, I don't know what that means <laughs> um, that's that's where it's coming from okay thank you now we can give liam trouble for that because he's a goalie so <laughs> yeah so liam didn't understand that term either no. no he i i actually knew but <laughs> You do, yeah. <laughs> and you let your and you let your co-host to hang out to dry and ask me this question. Like oh, yeah. I was supposed to be the expert on it. I mean, I had to. I had to, to do it. it. Liam, Liam, come on. Uh, now, 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 in saying that, I feel like uh, blockers from say, oh, I don't know, the '80s and the '70s probably looked more like waffles then than they do now. Yeah, I was born right. in '97, so. <laughs> Yeah, that's a pretty good beard for a guy born in 97. Thank you. Thank you. It's the, it's the army beard. Oh, it's the army. Are you allowed to have a beard in the army? Yeah. Now they passed the beard for gen two years ago. We have to, okay. allowed to have a beard as long as it's within regulations and not okay. gross looking to their, to their opinion. All right. Well, I mean, that's kind of subjective, I guess. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the, bo- the boss decides it, if he likes it or not. And then if he doesn't like it. All right. What do, what's the percentage of army dudes with beards to non-beards these days? Uh, at least in my regiment, I'd probably say at least 95% of the people in the regiment have a beard now. Really? Yeah. Huh. It's because it's either like clean shaven or bearded. So it's just a lot less work to have a beard. And what, uh, what, where, where are you based out of, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, no problem. I'm in uh, Shiloh, Manitoba. Shiloh, Manitoba. Okay. Yeah. In the and... middle of nowhere. Where the closest city would be Brandon. All right, which is still pretty rural. Or yeah. a small, well, which is a bigger city by Manitoba standards, but still a relatively yeah. small in the grand scheme of things. It's, I, it's, my, it's, my parents live up near uh, CFB Petawawa these days. Okay, so close so to they're about, Yeah, so they're about 45. Yeah, they're about 45 minutes uh, from, uh, from Petawawa and, and the base. And I, I actually covering the World Juniors. My last World Juniors in 2009, they did uh, kind of a, a basic training sort of team building for a couple of days up at the base. So I went up with the team. Pat Quinn was coaching the team at the time. 
and you this is probably completely off topic of what you didn't want to talk about but uh we were there with the world juniors and that was the team with pk suban and john tavares and jordan eberly and um yeah pat quinn's coaching the team and they had everybody kind of dress up uh, you know get they get their gear on and they they did one of the team uh, team building exercises was doing the um the jump the psychological height of fear jump does that make any sense in terms of base the basic training so it's basically jumping i think it's from like a four-story jump and you're kind of cabled up on a harness um but you still have to make that jump and it's you know teaching you know trust and and knowing that you know you're not going to fall but it's still that psychological height of fear where you kind of finally look down and go okay, this, I got a little knot in my stomach here now. And, you know, everybody was doing the jump and they actually coaxed me to do it as well. But Pat Quinn got up there and Pat's a big guy and he (laughs) jumped and the harness, the safety harness buckle snapped as he jumped. Like I remember my camera guy and he's shooting this thing. And all of a sudden, just like, I think something went flying and, you know, Pat wound up, you know, he rappelled down the the cable, but it was like afterwards, like, Oh yeah, the freaking cable broke. Oh, Uh, like imagine explaining that one, right? Like a 65 year old man plummeting four stories and suffering two broken legs. Right. You know, <laughs> you know, to, to the mighty queen who was a wonderful human being, but imagine that story and explaining that to the uh, Pat Quinn will not be coaching Team Canada. Two <laughs> broken legs and a broken arm because, you know, the military dropped them. <laughs> uh, I yeah, I don't want to comment on that because I don't want to trouble my uh, player. Yeah, no, fair enough. No, I, I was there, I was there for that story. There you go. That's my story. Uh, um, now. At the World Juniors, it was Subban was there, Tavares was there. Is there any like other big events that you remember doing the play-by-play for that were just like that are kind of in your memory? That's like, wow, I can't believe I got to witness that or one of those where were you moments? I, I covered a ton of events. I, I didn't get a chance to do a ton of play-by-play though for the majority of my career. When I when I first broke into the business, I was doing um, a lot of volunteer work at Rogers Community Television in Ottawa. And so I really wanted to do as much as possible. And when I was in college as well, I had a chance to call a number of Ottawa 67s games. And um, I called some university basketball. I called a bunch of ringette. I called some minor hockey tournaments. I called, uh, I did play-by-play for a karate tournament once, which, oh my God, I can't even imagine. If that tape ever exists out there, <laughs> I can't even imagine. Like, uh, I mean, it's funny. Like the, my, my, the analyst I worked with, you think that this guy taught Bruce Lee, like just it's, I think a lot of senseis and karate instructors like to kind of big up their, their own game, like how great and how technically sound they are. Uh, this guy was just like, you, you think he, you, you think he basically in, you know, invented martial arts, but I, I did numerous events uh, along those way, touch football tournaments, um, you know, just anything I could to get the reps and get the experience, but there just wasn't a lot of jobs to be had. And, um, you know, I, I had an opportunity that presented itself at the score and so had moved to Toronto from Ottawa and then moved to Vancouver from Toronto and then Vancouver back to Toronto and then Toronto back to Vancouver here for the last seven years. But, you know, most of my roles had all been, you know, pertaining to, you know, reporting and hosting uh, for the better part of the last 25 years. So, 
I, I had had a little bit of play-by-play time. I did, I did a fair amount actually in my early years and then had kind of got away from it and had always wanted to, had always wanted the opportunity, but it was always such a senior position um, at the two sports networks here in this country. And my time at the score, we only did a couple of events a year. We did OUA football for, you know, basically the months of September and October uh, until mid-November. And you know, that was one game a week for university football. And, and then there were a couple of, you know, university um, athletic uh, events that were usually, you know, not, you could count on one hand how many of those we did at the beginning of the year or in the, in the early parts of the, uh, of the year. So I just never really got a chance to, to do it a whole lot over the last several years. And then when this opportunity presented itself, um, you know, I kind of had a chance to, you know, take a swing for the fence, but I, I've, I've been very fortunate in terms of, you know, events. Um, I've been lucky enough to cover a couple of Stanley cups. I've been lucky enough to uh, NBA finals, uh, three Olympics, the, um, you know, multiple great cups, um, world, you know, world juniors, world hockey championship. Uh, the, the Super Bowl is probably the only one that I haven't had a chance to. And I guess the world cup as well. Um, but along the way, just, uh, you know, international events, actually, it's funny. Somebody had just sent me an interview I had done years, uh, from about 10 years ago with Usain Bolt, um, immediately after a race. And it's like, man, that's, oh, man, forget about that. You know, you're like, man, I, th- this was just like a, it was an exhibition. So it wasn't like, a you know, it wasn't, ch- you know, you could tell he wasn't running for the, for the world record, but it was still like the world's fastest man running, you know, right at you from a hundred meters away. And, and, you know, as soon as the race is over, he comes right over to you and wants to talk. So, um, very fortunate along the way to, uh, to be there for some big moments. LeBron's first game back in Cleveland, um, after he had gone to the Miami heat, that was absolutely massive. And just the, the crowd, you know, the, the hostilities, and then they kicked this crap out of the Cavs in the first quarter. It was like a 25 point game. So everybody kind of shut the <laughs> hell up after that. But, um, yeah, just like, just to be there for a lot of different experiences along the way. It's, uh, yeah, I've been very fortunate to kind of, you know, what would have cost me probably millions to experience around the world. I've been fortunate enough to uh to have been compensated to go to a lot of these yeah no i i'm definitely a little bit jealous of your career so far yeah you should be obviously. <laughs> yeah. yeah you got waffle boarded on that one oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, you uh you uh, mentioned your first opportunity was with the score everybody's talked so fondly about the score when they were there what was your experience like with it it was incredible i you know i um you know, it was it was such a big step for me because I grew up, um, as mentioned, in Ottawa, and you know, I I had worked at Shea 106, and that was a paid gig, and that was you know, all right, I'm I'm getting paid and doing all right, and and then from there, and as grateful as I was for the opportunity, like I, I felt like I really took a big jump, um, you know, in the uh, late summer of 1998, I, I got a job at CFRA doing sports at six and like sports at six was such an institution. And I, I think it had changed a little bit by that point where, you know, there was a, now there was an, uh, an Ottawa sports radio station, uh, 1200 had launched and um, you know, the senators had gone over there, but they were still trying to maintain a sports presence on the radio station. And there was an opening 
and uh, they had approached me if I wanted to to be that guy, and and so I was kind of the afternoon sports reporter, and then doing you know sports at six, and that was such a you know the, such a privilege, right, an institution to have that. And then a few months later, I had sent uh, you know I, there was a demo tape I had sent you know much earlier in the year to. Um, you know, the, the guy who was Anthony Shoshone, who was the head of the score at the time and, and who, you know, out of the blue, he called me and, you know, Hey, you want to, you want to come to Toronto? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> and, but to, to make that jump. And I think that the, the positive experience for me, you know, I was there for almost eight years and I, I really kind of grew up there in a lot of ways. You know, I, I left home for that place. Uh, I, I left Toronto for Vancouver for that place. I left Vancouver for Toronto for that place. And, um, you know, I was, you know, a kid just breaking into the business in a lot of ways. And, and, but we were all kids at that time. You know, I look at Elliot Friedman, who was a senior reporter there in those days. And, and Elliot, um, you know, he was kind of a senior guy, but Elliot was late 20s, maybe 30. Right. And so, you know, he was only a few years older than I was in that particular time. But it tells you, like, people that were 28 were kind of senior people at, at the score in those days. Right. We were all just kids. And so it, it, it allowed us to be ourselves. And we were all probably a little rough around the edges. And, you know, it gave us an it gave a lot of us an opportunity that maybe some of us wouldn't have gotten in. Um, in other in other avenues or other opportunities and so you look at the collection of talent whether it was you know tim mccallough sid Sixero, and you know greg sansoni and steve coolius and elliot friedman and martin geyer and patricia bowl and you know deb medichka uh you know i guess i throw myself in there but sid Sixero and you know cabby um you know so many and and there's other names that you know along the way that you know, I'm forgetting, but even ones that kind of came, you know, in a later going when I was kind of leaving, like Arash Madani, who was, who was there, who was great and did such a wonderful job for so many years and is now, you know, one of the, you know, the best sports reporters in, in the country. And, um, you know, to, to just it was an opportunity to develop talent, but a lot an opportunity for all of us to kind of grow collectively. And, you know, Brian Spear behind the scenes, who was, you know, one of the lead producers of Hockey Night in Canada, like just so many that had the opportunity christian jack who's an you know an analyst now for for tsn it's you look at how many of us that kind of you know went on to you know to, to bigger things beyond the score and, and you know at the time the score was the biggest thing and we all cared right like you know we we lived to work at that time that we were we were young um most of us didn't have families at that point and we were all just hungry to just get out there and and work and do anything we could to you know better our product and we tried to one-up each other too like it, it was I, I don't want to say I, I don't want to say it was it was competitive but I would say it was like a healthy competition internally like who could pop the other in terms of all right who can do the better highlight pack who has the better one-liner um you know McAuliffe used a lot of hip-hop uh Sid had a lot of Saturday Night Live one-liners um, I obviously had a ton of wrestling references, 
you know, and, uh, you know, we had a little bit of that or, you know, it was, you know, nerding out with some Star Wars stuff and, and just kind of having fun. So we all kind of had our sort of isms and that was, yeah, it, it was a wonderful experience. And, you know, it was, it was less structured and less produced than what TSN and Sportsnet were in those days. And I think that was part of the charm because we didn't have the programming. We didn't have the big budget that um, Rogers and Bell media had, or what, you know, you know, globe media at the time or C the CTV dollars that TSN had where, you know, it was funny because we were always rumored to being purchased, you know, all oh, the score is going to get bought or, you know, someone's going to take over the score. And yet it was, it was Sportsnet and TSN that kept getting bought, <laughs> you know, well before we did. And they were the giants in the company at the time. And we were just, we were kind of the little engine that could. I grew up watching the score. I loved it. It was one of my favorite. When I heard it finally did get bought, I was really sad by it. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, I mean, it's, yeah, it's Sportsnet 360 now, but there was, uh, yeah, I think there was definitely a charm. Like, I live out here in Vancouver, and it's the same thing the way people look back fondly, you know, for, for a time and a period of sports fans generationally that grew up watching what is known as Sports Page out here. Um, it's the same as, you know, it's probably a little before your time, both of you guys, but, you know, in, in each market global kind of had the foothold on the late night sports highlight shows back, you know, in the late eighties, early nineties and, you know, in Alberta, um, and in Ontario, it was sports line and that was Mark Hebsher and, and Jim Taddy. And, you know, and they were kind of the dynamic duo for sports, you know, you know, way back in the day, like the shows wouldn't come on till 1130 at night. And, and a lot of those times that the days were, you didn't get highlights until then. Right. And that was like, games weren't always on TV in those days. Right. So you had to wait, you know, all night, like, okay, let's find out like who was going to, you know, did, you know, did the win streak extend? Did it, did it continue? Did it fall? What happened? And so you, you sit up until 1130 at night to get a sports highlight. Now it's, you know, you got, you know, with the score or 360 or all the, all the sports networks are out there. And, you know, generally there's always a ticker or you can go to your phone, you know, with the digital age, you just, you know, check your app and see what you got. But in those days, you kind of had to wait like four freaking hours to get a score <laughs> or I, read I remember, the paper the next day. I remember uh, when I was a kid growing up, I'd always watch RDS in the morning to watch who won the games last night, see if my Habs won. Yep. To make sure the Habs beat the Leafs or if the Habs beat the Bruins. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying they're, they're the last Canadian team to win the cup, so. Which is kind of sad, considering that that was 1993, right? Yeah. Great they, year, yeah. though. Great. It was a great year. Why are you saying that that was the year you were born? Yep. Okay, I figured that much. Yeah, no, I, I had fun 93. I, I, like, I'm not going to protest too much about 1993, but it is, it's crazy that no team has won a Stanley cup in this country since 93. And the fact yeah. that I, I do wonder how much, you know, pressure plays a part of it. Um, uh, you know, I, I can only imagine. That. Yeah. I feel, like I feel it, like it's hard to play in Canada. Oh, for sure. Just the expectations. And, and, you know, I think the, like you look at the Habs in Montreal, I mean, the Habs are one trick pony, right? Um, Vancouver, it's the same thing, you know, the flames and the Oilers, you know, the, the, you know, Edmonton, uh, you know, the CFL team has, has a following, um, you know, the stamps have a following in Calgary, you know, the bombers have a following in Winnipeg, uh, but you know, really, uh, you know, the red blacks have a following in Ottawa, but really no, 
no, no team moves the meter more in the conversation than the respective NHL team. And, you know, I think Toronto does have as big a city as it is, as much, um, as much scrutiny and as much media covers the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know, you still have the Jays that provide a bit of a distraction. You still have the Raptors now that have kind of, you know, become a legitimate conversation in the marketplace where, you know, Montreal, Vancouver, I mean, they're, they're big cities with big media hubs and, you know, there's one thing to talk about and it's not the Montreal impact and it's not the BC lions and it's not the Vancouver white caps and it's not the Montreal Alouettes, right? It's Habs and Canucks. No. Um, on that topic, who do you think is the next Canadian team to win the cup? If, if they're going to win the cup in the next, I don't know, let's say, let's say 15 years. Who do you think is the first one that win, win a cup or who has the best chances of doing so? You know, it's hard not to say, it's hard not to think the Edmonton Oilers when you've got the best player in the world, right? I mean, if you, if you look at the best players generationally, they find a way to win, right? I mean, Gretzky wound up winning four cups, you know, before Gretzky was Bobby Orr and Bobby Orr got at least one cup. Um, You know, after Gretzky, it was Mario Lemieux and Mario got a pair of cups, and after Mario Lemieux, it was Sidney Crosby. And Sid's won, what, three Stanley Cups now. And it seems as though the heir apparent or the, or the right now, for that matter, is Connor McDavid. And I, I just think that, you know, he is that good. And it's hard not to think that a player like that will find a way. And, you know, there's a decent supporting cast there. I think you look at where the Leafs are at right now and they've got obviously a pretty strong core of four players. I just don't think they're, they've got a solid blue line. I just don't think that they have an alpha dog. Uh, I think Vancouver's got potential to, to do some damage where, you know, looks like they've got a legitimate cornerstone defenseman in, in Quinn Hughes, you know, to, to just absolutely dazzle with, from a point production standpoint. And I think Pedersen just looks like he's got a, a high ceiling. So, I'd probably lean, you know, Montreal's got, I really like what they've done this off season. I just don't know how sustainable it is. Um, I guess we'll see what Kotkaniemi and, and Suzuki look like long-term, but I, I just, I, I wonder, I, I think they've got, I think they're both good players. I don't know if they're, you know, franchise players. Um, so I'd probably say right now, I'll, I'll say Edmonton based on the McDavid effect. I, I actually agree with you. If you listen to our previous episode where we mentioned our predictions, I, I was saying Edmonton. Everybody was calling me crazy. Yeah, I guess there was something. I, I will not maybe with, with, that, with that beard. That. With that beard, you might be crazy. But, uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We kid because we love, I, right? Yeah. I, I know. I know. <laughs> um, now you moved to Vancouver from Toronto, mm-hmm. and now you're working for you're in Vancouver. Do you do much of the Eastern games anymore or not really? Or do you do much of the Eastern teams or is it kind of? I mean, I watch um, the, these days. So my, my day-to-day, my primary job is uh, I'm a morning talk show host for Sportsnet 650 here in Vancouver. So obviously the priority is, wait for it, the Canucks. Um, but, you know, we, you know, obviously it's, you know, I'm a hockey fan and, you know, I grew up in Ottawa, so I, I try to pay attention to the Senators. And, you know, I spent, what, almost 12 years of my life in Toronto. So 
Um, you know, I, I feel like there's so much of the conversation in the hockey world that still kind of focuses on, on what's happening with the Leafs. Um, I try to watch uh, the Habs as well. Cause, and, and it's funny because my daughters are all in French immersion. So, you know, I always kind of found in the last number of years, I try to watch as much as possible. I'll watch Habs games in French. So I'll watch the RDS broadcast or the TVA sports broadcast now and just get, uh, just make sure I continue to, uh, you know, I mean, that was so much of like how as a kid, I, you know, I think of, you know, watching, we'd have all those French channels in Ottawa, right? And yeah. so it was, it was either Roque Bezore, which, you know, was a comedy show as a kid. And, you know, then late at night on Saturdays is, a, you know, kind of, you know, watch Bleu Nuit and, you know, get my introduction to, you know, Early boys. You, know you know, dirty movies and, uh, or, you know, <laughs> or soft core porn as they called it in those days. And then, yeah. Uh, uh, and then I'd watch, you know, wrestling and hockey in French. And so that was, you know, you'd kind of, and then that's where you kind of get, you, you learn a bit. Well, and I mean, you know, friends in the neighborhood as well, you kind of got your Franklish, right? You know, yeah. you, know, you kind of, you talk, you know, somebody you talk to you in French, but just throw an English word. Like, where did that come from? Right? Like, so it's just like out of, you know, out of nowhere, you get, the, you get the, uh, you get the Franklish. So. Uh, yeah, so I, I try to I try to keep tabs on I try I don't know man I'm I'm a I'm a hockey fan and, and I like to try to stay in the loop and watch the uh, check in on what the other markets are doing and um, obviously with the time zone difference um, you know I can watch uh, you know Leafs and Habs and Senators games that are all kind of four o'clock my time exactly yeah like I, I was spoiled last winter I was on deployment in British Columbia. I got to watch all the Eastern games and I got to watch the Western games because normally I can never, I never watch the Western games because they're all too late at night for me. Well, and it's, and it's funny because when you first come out to the West coast, you kind of think, man, like, you know, four o'clock stars, 10 a.m. kickoff from the NFL, like, whoa, 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 this is all too much. Then you quickly, you know, as a, I don't know, maybe as a parent now, but as somebody who works early mornings, I love the early starts. Like, it's just the best. I mean, 10 o'clock kickoffs on Sunday mornings. It's funny, when I go back and visit family now and you're waiting for a game at 7 o'clock at night, you're like, fuck all on right now. Like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I need some sports right now. And so, yeah, now you get, uh, now it's, there, there's, it's, it's nice. Like, I, I find, like, by 10 o'clock, kind of the, the day is done from a sports standpoint. And you know, we used to always kind of look at the early, you know, the seven o'clock games were kind of your, you know, the, the, the pre-drink before you'd go out on a Saturday night. And then, you know, kind of the, your, your sign is, okay, what time is it? Well, it's, you know, second period in the, you know, the late game here. So yeah, we still got some time to party and then, oh, it's late in the third, well, the bar's closing soon here. So, uh, you know, better, uh, better load up before last call or whatever. So yeah, no, I, I feel like this is way as a parent now and somebody who's, way more of a shut-in, especially during a pandemic. Um, yeah, the, the earlier starts are way more civil. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you very much for coming on again. I really, really, really appreciate it. And we are huge fans again, so thank you again. And I'll leave this with one final question. Um, so with NHL 20, how do you guys record that? Do you, like, watch a game, or is it kind of, like... I, I was just curious how that always works, like, how you guys... No, we, uh, we do it. Uh, it depends on the day. Uh, so it's obviously not a live game that you're calling. It's, it's basically stitch by stitch by stitch. So, 
Um, you might do a day where it's, um, we call them phone book days. So you will just, they'll give you, you know, 1500 names and you just kind of have to stay with the same sort of intensity and you, you know, passes the puck to Gretzky, passes the puck to McDavid, passes the puck to Crosby, passes the puck to Potman, passes the puck to Iserman, passes the puck to Sabalski, passes the puck to Jones, and, and just on and on and maintaining that baseline of energy. So when the, and then, you know, you might have another day where, okay, you've got to do all the sorts of, um, you know, the stitches where, you know, passes the puck over to the right side. So, you know, uh, and now you got to say that five to 10 different ways but not be too outside the box, right? Moves the puck to the right side, slides a puck over to the right winger, moves the puck to the right. You know, just, just subtle differences, just tweaking the wording, but still sounding like it's still just a, the, the, the hockey play-by-play narrative. So you do 10 different ways, so it triggers, so it's not always the same. And then, you know, the stitch ultimately, you know, so one day in say November, I might say, moves the puck to the right side to where I have, you know, a year earlier, maybe have said, you know, to Gretzky, you know, so now it's like moves the puck to the right side to Gretzky. And so it now all see, you know, you know, it's all kind of a seamless transition as opposed to sounding like, you know, movie phone from the nineties and hello and welcome. This is the Canada. (laughs) You will go to jail if you do not call. 604 you know and, and just yeah. you know, those robo calls so um we have a tremendous audio engineering team that works with us uh, when we voice and um you know they they do a great job of you know shining me up and trying to make me i guess sound presentable to uh, to the to the gamers out there awesome thank you very much again i i really appreciate you coming on uh thank you again well, thank you. I appreciate that. And you guys stay safe out there. And uh, thank you for all you do, uh, keeping our country safe and, uh, and and waving the maple leaf proudly for us around the world. So thank you. Happy holidays, boys. Happy holidays. You, you as well. Salut tout le monde. Et j'espère que vous avez aimé l'entrevue avec Mr. Sobolski. Encore, je m'excuse, c'est en anglais, mais c'est une bonne entrevue quand même. Maintenant, à ce point-ci, on va faire les power rankings du division West. Um, on va commencer comme la semaine passée, dernière place, puis on va aller jusqu'à la première place. Uh, qui tu vois du West dans la dernière place, de Josh? Uh, moi, j'ai les Kings, les Kings de Los Angeles en dernière place. Uh, mes autres, uh, ben, quand même, comme des bons joueurs, Copeter, uh, 62 points, 70 games l'année passée. Euh, tu regardes les, les joueurs en fait de point qui avait après lui. Le deuxième meilleur marqueur, c'était Alex Ayafalo avec un, 43 points en 70 games. Au lieu d'être une base de, de 19 points, euh, ils ont pu Tyler Toffoli. Euh, Puis moi, j'ai juste pas trop confiance dans cette équipe-là. Si tu me demandes cette question-là, par exemple, dans 2, 3, 4, 5 ans, euh, qui ou ce qui serait, je les mettrais pas mal plus haut avec la relève qui s'en vient dans le cas. Mais comme c'est là, je ne vois pas vraiment faire euh, une poussée euh, cette année. Ouais, moi non plus. Euh, leur la il fait pas trop beau. Euh, il fait dur, comme qu'ils disent. Cette année, ben, dans une couple d'années, ils vont être forts. Ils vont être une forte équipe dans une couple d'années. Il y a une bonne, euh, beaucoup de bons jeunes qui s'en viennent dans, dans la pipeline, comme qu'ils disent en anglais. 
Euh, j'ai hâte à voir qui c'est qu'elle avec les, les Kings. J'espère que les joueurs qui viennent avec les autres, c'est pas des boss, puis j'espère que ça devient une autre équipe de superstars. À cause, c'est toujours le fun d'avoir beaucoup, beaucoup plus de talent dans, dans la lâche. C'est toujours plus le fun d'avoir tous les bons joueurs partout qui jouer comme ça. Um, ouais. Puis après ça, après Los Angeles, qui était là? Euh, en septième place, moi j'ai Anaheim, les Ducks d'Anaheim. Euh, okay. Encore là, ils ont des. des comparables à qu ce que Los Angeles ont en coopérateur. Euh, Anaheim, ils ont Ryan Getzlav. Euh, ils ont aussi d'autres bons jeunes comme Hampus Lindholm, Rickard Raquel, um, Adam Henry qui est un petit peu plus vieux, il est encore pas, il est encore, il joue encore du bon hockey. Euh, mais encore là, il manque encore un, um, je dirais soit que c'est soit qui ben, les autres, ça les prend vraiment que c'est que les Rangers ils ont fait à leur équipe, je te dirais. Uh, burn it to the ground. Mm -hmm. Mais mm -hmm. avec les jeunes quand même qui s'en viennent en Jamie Drysdale et, et compagnie, uh, ils sont quand même bien placés. Mais encore là, pour cette année, je pense qu'ils vont faire une poussée. Non, moi non, moi non plus, euh, comme, comme tu disais, encore, on est pareil que le classement des Ducks. Euh, J'ai que les Ducks vont finir en septième. Ils n'ont pas beaucoup de superstars. Plus maintenant, comme Gatslav est à bon alcan. Il n'est plus le Gatslav qui était quand il avait 27 ans. C'est sûr. Il est plus vieux. Moi, tu te dis, tu as frappé tout le clou. So, en sixième, qui t'a? En sixième, qui que j'avais mis le, le Wild du Minnesota. OK. Euh, eux autres, j'ai mis en sixième place dû au fait que j'aime certaines, certaines affaires et certaines affaires que j'aime moins qu'ils ont fait cet été. Euh, ils ont échangé Eric Stoll pour Marcus Johansson. Puis ça, ça, je me demande encore pourquoi. À cause euh, du, fait de, du fait de production, Eric Stoll, je pense, c'est un meilleur joueur. Et puis aussi du côté euh, leadership, je pense qu'Eric Stoll, c'est le bien meilleur joueur. Ça fait que euh, je ne comprends pas trop si ça change du côté du point de vue du joueur du Minnesota. Um, ils ont perdu Miko Koebu, Alex Galchenyuk. Ils ont échangé euh, Luke Cannon pour Nick Bonino. Puis encore là, euh, je ne la comprends pas, celle-là. Um, mais ils ont, euh, ils, ont, euh, ils ont repêché Marco Rossi, so on va dire que ça, c'est un, une victoire pour eux autres. Mais encore là, je pense que le Minnesota est vraiment trop, trop bon cette année. Ouais, moi, en sixième, j'avais mis les, euh, les Sharks de San Jose. Um, je trouve beaucoup de joueurs qui sont plus les superstars qui étaient. Puis aussi le fait qu'il n'y avait pas de, de choix de premier round cette année dans le balatage. Um, ça n'a pas aidé, aidé beaucoup à Argenia. Um, moi, je n'ai pas trop de confiance avec San Jose, moi. Um, le seul vraiment bon joueur que je peux penser, c'est Timo Meyer ou Couture. 
Puis même, ils ne sont pas comme les superstars. Puis oui, ils ont Carlson, puis oui, ils ont Burns. Mais les deux sont des, déf des défenseurs offensifs qui n'ont pas vraiment de défenseurs défensifs qui jouent avec eux. Donc, quand ils vont faire des erreurs sur la force, qui va être là pour nettoyer leur erreur? C'est pour ça que je n'ai pas tant de confiance avec San Jose. Je pense que ouais, je pense pas que San Jose fait les séries cette année. Je pense qu'ils finissent en sixième. Euh, ouais, je n'ai pas beaucoup de confiance en San Jose moi-même. Euh, mais en cinquième. Tu peux être en cinquième qui est Pardon? Tu peux en cinquième qui est Ah, oh, moi j'ai Minnesota. J'ai Minnesota en cinquième. Euh, je pense qu'ils sont meilleurs que les équipes de Californie, mais je ne pense pas qu'ils sont la meilleure équipe ou un des meilleures équipes dans cette division-là. Euh, je pense que Minnesota vont finir là. Puis après ça, ils sont comme... Dernièrement, je trouve qu'ils ne sont pas terribles, mais ils ne sont pas bons. Ils sont comme une des équipes, comme, comme ils disent en anglais encore, euh, un bubble team, ou juste, juste à point de... Pas faire les séries, mais juste. Je pense qu'on a la, la position le pire possible. À cause ils ne sont pas terribles, mais ils ne sont pas bons non plus. Ils sont juste comme au milieu. Puis encore, ils n'ont pas fait beaucoup d'échanges qui ont amélioré, comme tu disais. La seule chose, moi, je ne comprends pas beaucoup qui c'est que le, le DG fonctionne. Mais aussi, c'est pour ça que moi, je ne suis pas un DG. Je suis un, je suis un qui fait un podcast. Là. Je, peux, je peux critiquer les DG. Puis... Sans parler de ma job. <rire> Toi, en cinquième, qui t'avais choisi, Josh? Alors moi, j'ai les shirts de San Jose en cinquième place. Euh, okay. Je pense que, je pense que c'est une bonne place pour les autres à cause que aussi bien ils peuvent être en 8, 7, 8 qu'ils peuvent être en 2, 3 Je pense que ça dépend beaucoup. Si Kerry Carlson comme que, joue comme les Eric Carlson au Canada, et puis, Brent Burns joue comme le Brent Burns qu'on connaît. Devin Dubnik, qui ont été cherchés dans, dans l'échange avec le Wild du Minnesota. Si que lui, il peut revenir à sa forme de Vezina. Et euh, des gars comme Kevin LeBanc, euh, Timo Myers, Thomas Hurdle peuvent continuer à progresser. Je pense que ça va, ça va, um, ça peut bien aller pour les Sharks. Mais si ces choses-là n'arrivent pas, là, ça va aller très mal comme qu'on a vu l'année passée. Mais il ne faut pas oublier non plus que oui, les Sharks ont une mauvaise saison l'année passée, mais les saisons d'avant, c'est le, le, les contenders à Stanley Cup qu'on connaît toujours. Ouais. Ouais. Je sais on, on verra bien, mais je ne pense pas que. Je n'ai pas beaucoup de confiance en les Sharks, donc. So. I guess qu'on peut être. Uh... Agree to disagree, comme qu'ils disent. Oh. Um, en quatrième, euh, moi j'ai les uh, Coyotes d'Arizona. Ils n'ont pas fait beaucoup de moves de, pour les améliorer, mais ils n'ont pas trop l'empiré, sauf ils n'ont pas du Taylor Hall. Um, ils ont pas mal juste fait à rien, je pense. C'est pour ça que j'ai dit en quatrième, à cause qu'il y a beaucoup d'équipes que je trouve qui sont pires que les autres. Mais ils ne ils sont pas la meilleure ou ils ne sont pas le plus terrible dans cette division-là. C'est juste, ils sont juste là. <rire> so, hein, J'ai Arizona en quatrième, plein au milieu, qui n'ont bon, pas vraiment fait beaucoup, qui me trop excité. Tu es euh, quitté en quatrième, euh, Josh? 
Euh, moi, j'ai la même équipe que toi, les Coyotes d'Arizona. Euh, je pense qu'ils ont quand même des bons joueurs. Gardion, Clayton Keller, Phil Kessel qui peut encore jouer du bon hockey. Oliver Ekman Larson, c'est un bon défenseur. Jacob Chikron, Alex Goligowski, c'est tous des bons défenseurs. Euh, mais je pense que les autres, j'aurais pu aussi facilement les mettre plus bas dans ma liste. Euh, dû à des, euh, certaines choses. Regarde, ils ont parlé du Taylor Hall qu'ils ont donné, euh, donné cher pour. Um, on a Barry Dayton, la, The Jury's Out on him. Comme, mm -hmm. euh, lui, on sait vraiment si qu'il va être euh, le gars de première, deuxième ligne ou un gars de deuxième, troisième. Tu sais. euh, moi, j'espère, puis je pense qu'il va être plus un gars de première, deuxième. Um, mais il n'est pas, pas encore proche de là encore. Um, et puis encore là, ça c'est quelque chose où il faut se parler, c'est les problèmes monétaires que, que les Kayaks ils ont eux autres euh, peuvent causer des problèmes dans le futur pour garder des joueurs et signer des joueurs et aller chercher des joueurs. Mmh. Non, non, je suis d'accord avec ça. On est, est d'accord avec ça, les Kayaks, quatrième, plein au milieu, point ouais. euh, Troisième, ça c'est un choix dieu là à cause les trois dernières équipes qu'il y a, c'est comme pas mal égal là, si, si tu regardes ça. Um, en troisième, moi j'ai Colorado. Um, ils sont très forts, Colorado. C'est pas, pas pour ça que je les ai mis en troisième. Je les ai en troisième juste à cause. Après la première ligne de, de McKinnon, Rantanen puis Landeskog, les autres lignes sont pas tant, tant, tant forts comme comme que Vegas qui ont, puis comme Dallas qui ont. Um, mais ils sont, sont une équipe très, très forte quand même. Um, Josh, qui était en troisième? Moi, en troisième place, j'ai euh, les Stars de Dallas. OK. Euh, moi, en troisième place, euh, j'ai juste deux au fait, c'est plus pour à cause, ils n'auront pas, pas pu être en, en première ou en deuxième. C'est juste à cause des équipes qui sont en première en deuxième, euh, je, les ai, je les ai mis en, en troisième. C'est une très bonne équipe de hockey. On l'a vu l'année passée, ils ont été en finale de la course année. Euh, ils ont, ils ont une, un bon jeu de puissance, un bon... Euh, un bon... Euh, pardon, kill, voyons. Et puis, euh, c'est une équipe qui veut marquer les débuts. Et aussi, dans limité aussi. Euh, ouais. La question avec eux autres, c'est tant qu'à moins, ça va dépendre d'un gars comme Jamie Benn, si que lui, il va revenir ou qu'il est vraiment parti en déclin. Et puis, euh, ça, ça va vraiment dépendre si qu'ils peuvent répéter, répéter le succès. Euh, je pense qu'un gars comme Miro Hiskanen, lui, va, va continuer à progresser et les aider les années à venir. Oui, oui, je suis, suis d'accord avec ça. Comme, moi, j'ai regardé ça en deuxième. Um, c'est juste comme, comme tu disais, c'est pas... Moi, j'ai regardé ça pour c'est comme pas mal légal pour moi dans ma tête. J'ai juste choisi un et deux noms, puis OK, là, puis là. Mais c'est vrai. Toutes les choses, comme tu dis, avec Dallas, c'est que je suis un produit avec Dallas. Um, je suis vraiment confiant dans leur jeu. Je pense que Dallas, ils vont... Ils vont être troisième ou deuxième dans cette division-là. C'est une division forte avec Dallas, Colorado puis Vegas qui sont là. Um, ouais, Dallas et Colorado, ils sont pas mal égales avec trois puis deux. 
Euh, autre que ça, ouais, moi, j'ai Dallas en deuxième. Qui t'a en deuxième, Josh? Moi, en deuxième place, j'ai les, euh, les euh, Golden Knights. Oh, wow! OK. Oui. Um, c'est sûr que les Golden Knights, c'est une très bonne équipe de hockey puis ils vont juste être meilleurs avec la signature à Pietrangelo. Um, ils ont ramené Leonard pour les prochains cinq ans et ils ont re-signé aussi Thomas Nosek. Mm-hmm. Um, je pense que vraiment les Golden Knights vont venir um, une équipe, euh, comme ils disent en anglais, élite, mm-hmm. um, dans, dans la même moule que les, mettons, les, les um, le Lightning de Tampa Bay. Mais euh, encore là, j'ai mes raisons pourquoi je ne les ai pas mis en deuxième. Ah, je ne les ai pas mis en première. Ça, c'est plus pas du haut fait de, de Vegas, mais évidemment, l'équipe que j'ai en première place. OK. Um, ouais, moi, j'ai. Ouais, wow. Moi, en première place, j'avais choisi Vegas, juste au fait qu'ils ont beaucoup de lignes. Ils n'ont pas de. C'est comme. Moi, je dis que. Ligne, la première ligne, deuxième ligne, troisième ligne sont toutes vraiment des premières lignes, n'importe quelle autre équipe ou beaucoup d'autres équipes. Um, sont vraiment, vraiment. Ils ont beaucoup de profondeur. Ils sont forts à la défense. Ils ont chez Fedor, Petrangelo, deux défenseurs élites. Um, en but, ils ont marqué des fleuries. Puis Robin Leonard, un duo élite. Um, j'ai beaucoup de confiance dans leur jeu. Ouais, c'est pour ça que moi, j'ai Vegas en première place dans la division du West. Um, Ouais, so. C'est pour ça que moi, moi, moi j'ai choisi Vegas dans, dans ce cas-là. Euh, qui tu avais choisi, toi, euh, Josh? Non, très bien. Mais Colorado, mais pourquoi tu as choisi Colorado? Oui, euh, j'ai choisi le, l'avalanche Colorado, du Colorado à cause. Euh, ben, pour certaines raisons, regarde. Euh, je pense que leur attaque, c'est une des meilleures de la ligue, sinon la meilleure. Ils ont McKinnon qui a eu t- 93 points en 69 games. Euh, puis là, on parle aussi souvent, comme tu as dit, tu parles de la, la première ligne. Ils ont juste une première ligne. Mais moi, je pense que ça, c'est, ça, c'est pas vraiment garder tout à cause. Ils ont des gars comme Burakovsky qui a très bien fait l'année passée avec 45 points en 58 games. Euh, Nazim Kadri, 36 points en 51 games euh, aussi. Euh, et puis, euh, je pense aussi, garde avec Kel McCarr en arrière. Euh, je pense, comparativement à la, la défense de Vegas, je pense que Colorado n'était bien une, un petit peu meilleur. Je pense que Kyle McCarr est meilleur que chez Theodore. Ou si, si on parle de l'équipe, l'équipe euh, l'année prochaine, euh, Bowen Byron va être là aussi. Puis lui, on parle de lui comme le prochain Kyle McCarr. Mm-hmm. Um, ou dans, ou dans la même, euh, le même potentiel de défenseur. C'est... Fait que, euh, aussi, ils ont été chercher Devin Tays. Ils l'ont quasiment volé des, des, euh, des Allen. Um, je pense que je pense un gars aussi, ils ont été chercher Brendan Todd. Lui aussi, il va amener de, du secondary scoring à l'équipe. Mais le seul point d'interrogation que j'ai, euh, envers les autres, que c'est sûr que Vegas, ils gagnent dans n'importe quelle bataille, c'est, le, c'est au point des, euh, des gardiens de but. Je pense que là, ça va dépendre beaucoup de ce que, que, que les gardiens de but peuvent faire cette année. Euh, ouais. 
Mais ça, ça c'est juste la raison pourquoi j'ai si, Vegas tant proche que, que, que le Colorado. Oui, non, je suis... C'est vraiment un bon assessment que tu as fait là. Um, oui, ça, c'est une grosse IRJ Colorado. C'est euh, la gazine de vue. Je ne sais pas si Francus et Grubauer peuvent faire ça encore. Espérons qu'ils peuvent. Ben, encore, je ne suis pas confiant um, dans les gardiens de vue. Ben, I guess, cette année, ils vont nous prouver que mal ou ils vont nous prouver euh, qu'on avait raison. On verra bien. Y a-tu euh, d'autres choses que tu veux parler de euh, cette semaine, Josh, ou c'est pas mal tout? Non, regarde, c'est pas mal tranquille, tranquille dans, le, dans le monde du hockey comme celle-là. Euh, la dernière affaire que j'ai entendu dire, c'était qu'ils visent le, le 13 janvier pour commencer la, la saison. Oui. Euh, en espérant que ça arrive le 13 janvier, à cause de mon job de watcher du hockey. Moi, avec, man, j'ai hâte à, à watcher du hockey. Euh, man, j'ai très hâte et je suis excité. Donc, um, I guess what? Have a month spent, everyone. Uh, and we'll talk again soon. Salut. Bonjour. Salut.